We're very happy today to be joined by Julie Sweet, who is CEO and Chair of Accenture, one of the largest professional service firms in the world. Julie, thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you, Jean-Francois. Thanks for having me. Now, Accenture, we all know it's a very large firm, about 700,000 employees, 50 billion or so dollars of revenues, publicly listed, a stock price that pretty much doubled during 2020 and 2021, and, and that currently sits around the $200 billion market capitalization, and providing services uh, from four business units across more than 140 countries. Julie, can you please tell us a little bit about Accenture's four lines of business? Well, great. Uh, it's a good question. We actually do have four different services, but it's not actually how we think about what we do because we really start with our clients. And our four lines of services are more about the breadth of the different capabilities that we put together to create solutions for our clients. And so we serve the Global 2000 around the globe, and we are a global company, so we are in virtually every major market around the world. And our clients are really focused on five things that will shape the next decade. We call them the five forces. And the first is total enterprise reinvention with tech, data, and AI, and new ways of working, engaging with customers, as well as new business models. The second is talent. The third is sustainability. The fourth is the metaverse continuum. And then the fifth is the ongoing tech revolution. So we think about our services as being helping our clients harness those five forces to be successful in the next decade. Now, that still covers a wide range of activities. Who are your key competitors and, and maybe in, in various kinds of activities? Well, this goes to the breadth and depth of what we do. So let's start with this idea of total enterprise reinvention. So what does that mean? That means we're helping clients optimize operations. So we're doing digital manufacturing as well as finance transformation, as well as transformation of how you do claims and underwriting if you're in insurance. It's very specific to the industry. We're also helping our clients accelerate their growth. So we're helping them identify new kinds of customers, create new platforms for new businesses. So for example, helping traditional banks create a digital bank. And then at the center of it is we're helping build the digital core. And right now we're in the middle of what we call really a once in a digital era replatforming in the cloud. And so all of the different things that we're doing require a real digital core. So if you think about the breadth and depth of those activities, we are competing against strategy firms that will try to, you know, sort of see the future because we have strategy at Accenture. Right. But what our, what we differentiate from our strategy competitors is that we're creating the whole solution and our strategy work is informed by actually being able to execute it. If you think about the building the digital core, there are a number of competitors that don't have the industry and strategy and consulting depth that we have, but know how to implement systems. And again, we don't think technology is only ever just around technology. It's both using technology and changing the ways you work and making sure you understand how it is in the context of industry. And then we have consulting competitors 
who will have consulting depth and industry knowledge, but don't have the scale of our technology expertise. And so that's why it's really important as you think about Accenture to think about it in that broad, those broad senses of we have scale in technology, in strategy and consulting. We service 13 different industry groups. We have breadth and scale and industry. And all of these things in our mind are really required so that companies can move from strategy to action and move as fast as possible. Is it fair to say that when you look at the organizations you compete with, the breadth of your services is, is among the largest and many of your competitors are a little bit more focused? Absolutely. There is no competitor with our breadth and depth. And that is a strategy that we have had and has been built for decades. So this isn't something new. You see many of our competitors trying to move into new areas, but it is our scale that we have in all of these different areas that truly differentiates us. And you saw that coming into the pandemic, right? So if you look at in the first two years after the pandemic, what's happening for our clients is that they need to transform, they need to move faster than ever, and they're actually doing more, we call it compressed transformation than pre-pandemic. And in the last two years, we've had 156 clients who in a single quarter have had bookings with us of $100 million or more, which is a proxy for their ambition and the level of transformation. That is a 50% increase over the two years prior to the pandemic. That's one of the questions I wanted to ask. Of course, aside from naming you CEO in September 2019, what was at the core of this remarkable success during the two years of, of pandemic? Well, thanks. Uh, you know, first of all, we really have an outstanding leadership team and incredibly talented people. And if you go back to our purpose, right, it's technology and people. And so at the root of what we do is we bring deep, deep expertise around technology and really talented people. And so that always is where our success starts. But as you look at the last two years, you know, going into the pandemic, we were already at scale in the capabilities around digital. We, back in 2013, were the first company to say that every business would be a digital business. And so by the time we were in the pandemic, we were at 70% of digital cloud and security of our business. And so when everyone had to move quickly, they look for scale and expertise. I think it's also really important, though, that our strategy is around both building trust, but also what we call 360 degree value. And so as we are helping our clients, we're doing things like embedding sustainability. We're embedding the ability to upskill and reskill their people. We're very much focused on diversity and inclusion. We'll be 50% gender parity by 2025, for example. And our clients turn to us because they share our values, they value the leadership we have in these areas, and because we're actually embedding it in the work. So let's take a client, a global fashion retailer. They issued an RFP, so a request for proposal, to do a major digital transformation using SAP. There wasn't a word about sustainability in that request for proposal. And we went to them and we said, look, when you do this digital transformation, 
you can embed the capabilities you need to do the circular economy, which is very important, as you know, in, in fashion, right? To do the tracking that you need. And it won't cost you extra money. What it requires is you have a partner to understand what sustainability means in the fashion industry and how to configure your technology to be able to enable meeting your sustainability commitments. And this is really a big differentiator for our clients is that we're investing the time and the money and we have the expertise because we've been working in sustainability for a, you know over a decade to help them when they're spending you know millions and millions of dollars on digital transformation to also meet these goals and we think it's a big reason why we've been so successful for the last couple of years now this breadth which as you said is 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 unique brings with it a certain amount, I imagine, of, of complexity and, and challenges. And a number of your competitors have actually spun off some of their activities. And so how do you manage to make all of this breadth and complexity work? How do you ensure that the whole remains more than the sum of the parts, where again, we all know that complexity and, and breadth of activity is not easy to manage? Well, one of the sayings that I talk about with clients and our people internally is simplicity is the new innovation. So as you might imagine, because we service the G2000, complexity in terms of operating model is something that we're helping our clients with every day. And so you're exactly right that when you are a, a major company like we are, $60 billion, 700,000 people, and we're bringing solutions that require all of this expertise, it's very important to be focused on how you do so. And it really starts with leadership and culture, right? And so from a leadership perspective, we have very clear leadership essentials that is very focused on our clients and our people. And when you focus on the client, that takes away a lot of complexity because you're not focusing on your different business lines, which is where you started, but in solving the client's needs. The second piece is the culture. And so we have a culture of what we call shared success. And that shared success is both across Accenture, but it's also with our clients, our partners, our communities, and our shareholders. And again, when you focus on shared success, it gives people the North Star of what they're solving for, right? Client problems, shared success, and that helps the way people work together. Because you can have a lot of different operating models. You can have a ton of PowerPoint slides about how things are. But at the end of the day, it comes down to what happens on the ground and having the right culture and the right leadership. Okay. Now, speaking of people, you hired about 200,000 people I read in about 18 months. And I guess I, I have four questions on on this. The first one, you hired 200,000 people out of, and again, this is a number I read, 4.6 million resumes. It's obvious that you must rely on technology to process 4.6 million resumes, but tell us a little bit how you went from 4.6 million people to 200,000 hires in a short period of time. So we did add a net number of 200,000 over the last two years. And we do so, what we call it is high touch through high tech. So what does that mean? 
Of those 4.6 million people that were attracted to us, which is a great pipeline, we use technology to match the skills and the backgrounds of those applicants with our job openings. And it's really important that we didn't hire 200,000 people with the same skill sets, right? We have at Accenture, like when you talk about 700,000 people, we have, you know, 4,300 designers and creatives. We have 16,000 people who are in security, right? We have doctors and actuaries and nurses that work for us. We have people who do deep, 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 you know, threat intelligence. So it's a very, very broad range of types of jobs that we are attracting talent for. And that's where we use the technology to match the people with the jobs. And then we have recruiting specialists who know how to talk to you know, a security professional, which is different than talking to someone who's gonna do cloud, which is different than talking to a deep, deep industry expert. And it's we use those recruiting specialists then to have that high touch and to be able to really then make sure that we're making the right ultimate matches after the technology has done the initial matching. Now, as you said, there are technical capabilities for each of these jobs. And and clearly, part of the recruitment process is to identify and match those. Beyond the technical skills, are there key qualities or characteristics that you're looking for? Are there some non-negotiables from a behavioral or know-how perspective if I want to work for Accenture? The one thing I would say, though, Jean-Francois, is it's not that every job has technical skills. When I think of technical skills, I think the actual ability to implement technology. Everybody has to understand technology. And in fact, we've been reskilling our people. We, We call it raising their TQ. Right. So everyone at Accenture, whether you work, you know, in the mailroom, in finance or with clients has to take 10 courses in technology because we believe that's fundamental to how we both operate and serve our clients, which is different than necessarily having actual technical skills because we do have a broad range of people that we hire. Now, with respect to what do we look for? One of the most important things we look for is that people who come to us are learners because we know that the needs of our clients and our own business and the skills that are needed change all the time. In fact, there's an interesting statistic that says that approximately 30% of the skills needed by the Fortune 500 in 2017 have now become obsolete. So there's a rapid change in skills. And so what's important for us, and we believe other companies, is that they hire people who are learners. And so we ask a very simple question. We say, what have you learned in the last six months, other than if it's somebody coming off campus, we say other than what you've learned in class, right? And that could be you learned how to cook something, right? What we're looking for is can the person respond, right? Because it's actually a very, very good proxy as to whether the person will have what we call learning agility, like the ability to continuously learn. And then we look for leadership characteristics, you know, how do they think about people? So we do that as well. But what I would say is that this, I think for people watching, like this idea of learning agility and this the simple way that you can measure it is, is really powerful for us. 
Now, that's something that you are requiring from, from the people that you, you are interviewing. Now, you're also competing with a number of other organizations for talent that is often scarce. What is the, the key, what are the key elements of, of Accenture's employer value proposition? How do you make sure that Accenture is a more attractive employer than some of your competitors? Well, just like when we think about our business, we start with clients. When we think about attracting people, we start with what do people value, right? And so we do a lot of listening and understanding. And what we know is that, first of all, people care about the purpose of the company. And so that's really important. And they're very attracted to our purpose. People want to do exciting work. And so why do people come to Accenture? They see us serving leading companies at the center of the five forces doing exciting work. And then we have a philosophy that is very attractive. What we say is we want people to come to Accenture and be net better off because they work here. And the components of being net better off are, of course, financial. So you need to play market. Sure. They are skilling. So as you said, people know we spend a billion dollars a year on training and development. But they also are emotional relationships, so uh, the ability to feel like they belong. And so our focus on diversity and, cl and inclusion is a very, very important part of our talent brand. It, it allows us to access many, many more pools of talent because people believe in our commitment to inclusion and diversity, and they want to work at that kind of company. Emotional, we focus a lot on mental wellness. We partner with a company called Thrive, with which Ariana Huffington founded. We were her first corporate client. We've had 180,000 of our people take advantage of our mental wellness program that we do through her. That's a lot. Yeah, so we're really on the leading edge of mental wellness. And so when you have that philosophy of net better off, you know, when people come to us, they see it in all of the different ways that we care for our people, both personally and professionally. And that is a leadership essential. So when we promote people, when we hire people, one of the things that we say that at Accenture to lead, you have to care about people personally and professionally. And that's reflected by this philosophy of net better off. Now, you mentioned $1 billion in, in development. Concretely, how many, how many days or weeks? You mentioned 10 courses. Give us a, a little bit more concrete illustration of, of the kind of personal development that you encourage or, or even require. So it's on average 40 hours of training a year. So that's sort of the easiest way to do it. Now, that obviously varies depending on which part of the business we do a lot of reskilling. So for example, when the pandemic happened, there was a surge in demand for collaboration tools, right? So a lot of people weren't using things like Teams and that, and they had to you know, implement that rapidly. And there was also a surge in cloud demand. So in the first six months after the pandemic started, we actually upskilled 100,000 people, which on average was 15 to 20 hours of training that would allow them to be work ready in a new area. And we do that because 
we have our client-facing people, almost all of them have their skills in a cloud-based database where we can actually run artificial intelligence algorithms to identify people with adjacent skills for what we need to train. So we can say, wow, someone who does risk and compliance for financial services companies has a lot of the skills that are needed in security. And so we can train someone to do security work when we have a surge in security work, because as you can imagine, that's another area that's grown immensely over the last two years with the pandemic. And so what we do is not just about dollars, right? It's an incredibly effective and complete learning system that really allows us to continue also to provide great new opportunities for our people. One last question on this, on this massive influx of new employees. So 200,000 people over two years on top of 500,000. So 40% more. How do you maintain the culture of a firm when you're adding 40% over a short period of time in an environment where many of them are going to work from outside of the office? A number of companies have said, we're struggling to maintain our culture, and that's without them growing 40%. In addition to the challenges of maintaining the culture with people being teleworking, you've had to also process a massive influx of new employees. How did you nurture and, and reinforce the Accenture culture during that time? So I would start with perhaps that are the ingredients for how we've been successfully doing this. It started with for us, the pandemic was not the beginning of remote work. We have not had a headquarters in three decades. So my entire leadership team was already virtual. And we had probably one of the, if not the biggest, one of the most, one of the largest remote workforces in the world already because our teams are around the globe. And so unlike many, many companies, we weren't trying to shift to how do you work remote. We were the largest user of Teams. We used video already. We had the collaboration tools. It was actually a part of how we worked. And so what we focused on was not trying to establish a foundation for this, but how do you innovate where everybody is remote and not able to go into the office at all? And it was that innovation that's helped us. So let me give you the best example in my mind is we now are using the metaverse to onboard our people. We'll have 150,000 people who go through that. Why is this important? Because your question was around culture, right? Well. Well, before the pandemic, even though people might work remotely, they always came into the office for onboarding. Right. And they would have a shared experience. And so what we sat back and we said, well, how do we create new shared experiences remotely? Because just getting on Teams wasn't necessarily an experience. Of course, you right. meet people, but it's not an experience. And we had this great analyst who came up with the idea, well, what if we had the experience be in the metaverse? That a part of that onboarding would be bringing people together in the metaverse and learning about Accenture in this really cool new way, right? Because the metaverse is still new to most people. They're, we're actually able to bring to life our innovation hubs, our TQ training in a totally different way. And then you've had this experience in the metaverse together, right? And that's a new bonding experience. And so 
When we think about how to maintain culture, it starts with how do you connect people? And so we've done a lot of innovation and we, we actually call it omni-connections, right? And so we're always thinking about how do you connect people because that's how you continue to build and enrich your culture. Wonderful. Accenture is a publicly traded corporation. A lot of professional service firms are not. What are some of the advantages and disadvantages of being a publicly listed company as opposed to a partnership or some other form of, of legal structure? Well, as a public company, we think it really enhances our brand because a lot of people, you know, they like to go to a company that is a recognized leading brand. And as a public company, it certainly has a very high profile in terms of our brand. It also allows us to provide equity compensation that has been very, very attractive and has enabled us to also be able to invest. And so there's lots of advantages to being a public company. I don't think about it too deeply because once you're a public company, you really just kind of are a public okay. company. Fair. But certainly we believe that it enhances our talent brand, our ability to provide meaningful compensation and our ability to invest. Julie, I cannot conclude this discussion without asking you two or three questions that are more personal and related to your, your journey as a leader. So you were trained as a lawyer and upon graduation from the Columbia Law School, you joined Cravat, Swain and Moore, a very prestigious and influential law firm in which you stayed for 17 years and became a partner. Before joining Accenture in 2010, initially as General Counsel, Secretary and Chief Compliance Officer, before becoming CEO of North America in 2015 and then global CEO in, in 2019. I think it is an understatement to say that this is an extraordinary journey. So from a leadership style and, and leadership skills point of view, what did you have to learn and or to unlearn to rise to these increasingly demanding positions? Well, Jean-François, I mentioned earlier that we have leadership essentials, and one of the most important ones we have is lead with excellence, confidence, and humility. And humility is important because people and leaders with humility are learners and they build great teams. And when I think about my career, I think one of the really important factors has been that I am a learner and that I build great teams. And that's allowed me to make that transition. So when I joined Accenture, I knew literally nothing about technology. And I asked my current chief strategy officer who was running in our India tech business at the time, Bhaskar Ghosh, to teach me technology. I would meet with him every two weeks for about 18 months to learn technology. And that was when I was a general counsel. I wasn't aspiring to be CEO. And that was because I didn't think that I could be as effective helping our business unless I understood technology. And so I really believe that, you know, whether it's kind of you personally or as a company, this idea of excellence, confidence, and humility as leadership qualities is very, very important. 
I can only imagine the, the cognitive and the emotional demands of your job. From, from a cognitive perspective, you have to be able to talk to and about a multitude of different services in a multitude of different industries. And then emotionally and energetically, your workload and, and the demands on you must be considerable. So I imagine that being at your best all the time or in your professional and your personal life does not come without some efforts and maybe also some practices. Can you share with us some of the practices that help you cope and thrive? Well, one philosophy that I use it for work and myself is a simple phrase, progress over perfection. So one of the most important things to do is to not have perfection be the standard. So that's first. Secondly is really, you know, understanding what's important in your life. So I have two daughters who are now 14 and 15 and a husband and my family and an extended family. And, uh, you know, it's important to be disciplined around time. And when I say disciplined around time, I start with what are the needs of my family? Right. And so, you know, the times that I'm willing to start in the day have changed over the years, depending on what time my girls are going to school, because I want to make sure that I'm seeing them before school. And it's funny, as they got to teenagers, it, it, they've gotten a little later. The, the school time hasn't, ch hasn't changed, but how much time they're willing to get up before rolling into school has changed. So when they were much smaller, we'd have an hour in the morning. Now I'm lucky if I get 15 minutes. So, you know, I think about start with my own core values as an individual, what is important to me, and then having the discipline to look ahead and block those times in your calendar so that you know, yes, I'm going to be there for the parent night or I'm you know, going to be there in the morning you know, before school. It doesn't mean that every day I can see them before school because some things do happen. But if you don't start with that block on your calendar. Right. And so I think calendar management is one of the most important practices to be able to ensure that you really can kind of live a life where you're giving to the work that you need, but you're also doing the self-care and you're there for your friends and family. Does that mean that you say no a lot? I do say no a lot. I do, you know, uh, because you, you have to prioritize. Right. The ability to say no is a very important uh, ability. And, and of course, along the way, you've also presided over a remarkable success for your organization. Julie, thank you for your time and best wishes of continued success. Well, thank you so much. I really enjoyed our conversation today. Thank you.